0: The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.
1: It is the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, February 21st. My name is CJ Baumgartner. Corey Tackman is beside me. And, uh, Corey, we got a lot to talk about on the high school sports scene. Playoffs are going on. And, uh, you know, to pull out my best Jim Mora impression, uh, we are talking playoffs.
0: We are talking playoffs, Section 6A boys hockey. We had on the air last night, the seven-seed Wadena Deer Creek at the two-seed Northern Lakes. The Lightning came out victorious in that one, 9-1, to one, the final score. With that victory, Northern Lakes will take on now the three-seed Fergus Falls, who um, edged out Wilmer. Two to zero, at a, a, a six, a three-six matchup in that one last night. On the other side of the bracket, the top-seeded Alexandria Area Cardinals beat up on Breckenridge Wapaton fourteen to zero, and Morris Benson Area beat Prairie Center Area seven to four. So it'll be the Storm and the Cardinals on the other half of that bracket on uh, on Saturday at the MAC in St. Cloud. Uh, with the loss, obviously the Wadena Deer Creek season comes to uh, a close. I, I was very early in the match er, match in the game. CJ I was I, I I had Jamie and Scott Woods on, and uh, at home I just had the uh, the stream up, listening to some early portions of it, and I heard Jamie Pettit say, and with that save, Gunnar Olson becomes the program's all time saves leader. Which is wow. just incredible. I mean, and that he's been the, the starting goaltender, I, I think, for, for just two years. Yeah, it sounds about right. He's seen a lot of shots on <laughs> goal. Uh, you know, I think about uh, earlier in the season, I believe they were over in Proctor. And I think the final score ended up being pretty lopsided. It was like 9 0, um, a loss for Wadena Deer Creek. But in that game, he made 76 saves. I mean, Which is so 76 saves on top of the nine goals. That's a, that's a, that's like a decent save percentage. And how many other shots went whizzing by that don't technically count as shots on goal. Like that guy faced a, 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 a battery, a battering from a battery (laughs) all season long. So for him to earn that recognition, I think is uh, at you know, well-deserved. He had to, he had to stick his nose in, you know, he was what's what's the he was in the cavalry right he was in the in the in those like foxholes and having to just stick his head up while everybody else played whack-a-mole with his chest protector
1: <laughs> well, and that we touched on it a little bit yesterday was the fact of, you know, when the numbers aren't quite where they are, you can't have as many lines. And when you can't have as many lines, you're expecting those kids to be skating around a lot more than, you know, a coach would typically like to have them in a perfect world. And that means that it's going to leave the offense with an ability to try and shoot the puck more. And I think Olson has done a great job all season long. I mean, of just like you said, getting pounded on uh, with the chest protector all the time. And for him to be able to, to get these saves is impressive because you know, it's not, not, not every goalie can do what he did this year. And he stood on his head a lot and he's been a big part of, of when Wadena Deer Creek had success on the ice. He was a big reason why. So congratulations to him and congratulations to coach Grendall and company on a good season, uh, based just kind of on where that program was sitting numbers wise for them to do the things that they did was a, was a good job there. And, now they just kind of trudge forward on in the next season. So uh, it was a historic night for Wadena Deer Creek in hockey, but it was also a historic night for Wadena Deer Creek in boys basketball. Corey, yesterday, Peyton Church needed 16 points to pass Noah Ross to become the school's all-time scoring leader. And guess how many points he got? Well, the last time I had
0: a milestone in reach, Tory Orline needed 42 to get 3,000. And she only scored 41 Uh, only. So I missed it by just a point. Please tell me that he didn't miss it by just a point. He got
1: 16 points exactly to (laughs) pass Noah Ross. 15 points would have tied. uh, And they both came on free throws. So I remember like trying to build a moment. And this is fun as a play-by-play announcer because props to coach Toomberg for letting me know before the game, like just so you know, he's close and there's a good chance he gets it tonight. He needs 15 to tie 16 to, to own it. And so you can kind of build up that moment as a broadcaster and to see it from the free throw line. You know, you have that first one and you're like, you know, how, uh you know, just unfair would it be if he missed that one? And he just kind of hangs at 15. The game was a little out of reach by that point. Uh, so, And, you know, you don't want to force feed him the ball just to get it. But also, you know, you're right there. You might as well kind of want to
0: force feed him the ball and have him get it right <laughs> exactly. out of
1: the way. Exactly. And, you know, uh, he gets the moment. Coach Tuberg takes the timeout. They all celebrate Sabika. PA uh, did a nice job in acknowledging that for uh, for everybody. And, you know, it was just overall it was a fun moment. Uh, and talking with coach Toonberg pregame, he just said, you know, couldn't have him do a better kid. Somebody who conducts himself well on and off the court. Somebody who, uh, you know, just doesn't play good offense, also plays good defense in the spots that he needs to be. And, uh, you know, I know that you covered Noah Ross when, uh, he was playing and, you know, how good of a basketball player he was. And to, to see that guy, um, uh, get the number one spot, uh, it's a pretty big honor.
0: Noah was one of the the purest high school shooters I have ever seen in my entire life. I would put Noah up against anybody when it comes to just shooting the rock. He was really a fun player to watch. I remember, I believe it was a game against New York Mills. I just went, I had nothing going on for the night. I I was just in the gym and I was up on the walking track on on the baseline. And if it wasn't New York, I don't, the opponent doesn't matter. And there was a close game at the end, and it was one of those, like, they just got the ball into his hands, and he shot a step-back three early in the possession. Like, he just brought the ball up the floor, did a little crossover, step back, he was just left of center, and he buried it. One of those shots where the whole gym goes, and it's silent for that half a beat. And then it goes in and it was in Wadena and the whole gym then went crazy because I was where I was at up on the walking track on the baseline. I could see coach Toonberg at the same time kind of go, Oh, because it was an potentially ill-advised early three in the possession. <laughs> and that thing went through so crisp and so cleanly that, you know, just, it's the clock. No, 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 no. Yes. What a shot. And, and he made shots and buckets like that all the time. And I, I have nothing but high praise for, for Noah Ross. So for Peyton to be able to surpass that um, and, and the kind of player that Noah was is, is pretty impressive. So congratulations to Peyton. That's uh, that's a, it's not just the thousand point mark, which he reached earlier in the season now to you're your number one on the banner your name's going on a banner and um, and it it could potentially be there for a long time
1: yeah and you know by the way an interesting tidbit from coach Toonberg yesterday was when Noah Ross got the all-time scoring milestone for Wadena Deer Creek he did it in Sabika and Peyton Church did it in Sabika. Now, of course, they're on different gyms, because I believe at the time it was still the old gym in Sabika. So yep. not quite the same floor, but still in the same building, which is uh which is a cool moment. Dina Deer Creek got a win. I believe it was in the uh, seventy-five to fifty-five kind of range. It was a it was a thirty-point game for a lot of the mark, but uh, you know, bringing the bench players towards the end, you kind of let everybody go and and whatnot. But uh, with Dina Deer Creek controlled early, they were able to get the win, and they keep improving. They're trying to keep pace and trying to keep that home playoff game alive, and still potentially on how a game next week against DGF goes, they have a chance to try and get a first round by, or could if they're that four seed, get back to back. Uh, home playoff game. So Wadena Deer Creek has a lot to play for. They took care of business last night. Sabika, we talked about, they were trailing um, this loss. Isn't going to hurt them in the QRF. Um, they're trying to get, uh, trying to jump Walker hack and sack Akeley. They could still potentially even jump Bertha uh, Hewitt at the three spot. So they're like, there's still some uh, factors and play a loss to a two a school. Doesn't hurt Sabika in the QRF at all um, for the Trojans though. What was special for them yesterday, Corey, they had pink out night, Uh, and talking with coach Lilquist pregame and in my pregame interview, he said, you know, uh, Mrs. Lake, uh, uh, wife of the assistant coach, Jeff Lake, and, and, uh, obviously Max Lake, who's on the team. Uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and they just wanted to do something for her. And, uh, they decided that tonight was the night to do a pink out night instead of the traditional Sabika Royal purple. You got pink. Everybody was wearing pink and, and ribbons. And uh, there was a bunch of pink hearts up taped on the wall uh, on the, on the, behind the bleachers. It's a big poster on the side of the gym wall. And they were doing of course like uh, donations and a raffle at the door. They had the, th- uh, the three point contest at halftime, all the money that raised there was going towards her. And overall, just a really, really cool night. Coach Lilquist had a little message before they started warm uh, or before they did the starting lineups. And overall, I mean, those nights are really cool when a community can come together and organize that, but also seeing the Sabika community broadly come together and support, uh, obviously just a, a really cool night for different reasons for both sides. They're special.
0: It's what everybody talks about with small towns. This is what makes small towns special. What's make, what's what makes, uh, uh, moments like that. So special, you know, she has been, um, uh, in the gym or at a ball field, um, the entire time that I've lived in the area, I have never been to a Sabika event. Um, and that I've called where she hasn't also always been there. There's there's just, uh, it was, it was one of those. I knew I could look out and go, there's Mrs. Lake (laughs) and, and they're just really committed and, and have had some, some great kids run through their programs and getting to know Jeff over the years as the, as the baseball coach and getting to see, getting to see their kids play and, and just be a part of it. You know, you know how it is you and and your family, you're, you were very involved and your brothers were involved and, and your parents were at a lot of stuff. And it was the same for me growing up. Like you just get used to that. It becomes a little extended family. And Mm -hmm. especially in small towns, it's not just extended family figuratively. It's extended family, oftentimes literally too. So uh, to have moments like that is just, it's, it's special and meaningful.
1: Yeah. Awesome to coach Lowquist and the Sabika school, the speaking community for putting that together. That was really, really cool as well. Uh, We're going to swing over now into our state sports. The Minnesota wild come back down to earth after a 10-7 win yesterday, uh, two days ago. Against Vancouver, they decide to go into Canada this time. They play Winnipeg, and the Jets get a six-three win because, well, you know, it turns out the Wild are a five-hundred team. Corey, and what do five-hundred teams do after they win a game?
0: Well, and it was back to it was on a back-to-back night, and and
1: I would a imagine very emotionally high game before.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. There's some things that go along with it, but yeah, no, they're they're a five-hundred. They're a 500 ball club, as they would say, in a different sport. And um, yeah, I guess the way to look at it really is in their last two games, they have played even 13 goals to 13 goals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, to be impressed or depressed. That's an impressive number either way. <laughs> 13 goals is a lot of goals in two games. Right. So to score that many and give up that many. <laughs> 26 total
1: goals scored in two games. And by two both wild
0: it's pretty impressive.
1: It is impressive. Uh, but that's where they sit. Now they get yep. a little break and whatever. Wild, as they say in hockey, let's do that. They,
0: they've been very hot since the All-Star break. This is, this is, I believe, like the first little hiccup in everything since, since that All-Star weekend. So I'm willing to excuse this one. But it is, you know, it is important to acknowledge who they have been all season long. Leading up to this unbelievable hot streak.
1: Exactly. And uh moving on to the last part of our morning sports desk discussion today uh is everybody's favorite topic. Uh how cheap are the poll ads? There we go. It's uh, ding 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 bump bump and um you got the prices right music going here. Uh so there was an interview yesterday that uh twins president uh I uh or CEO, I think is the right title because Dave St. Peter, I think is the president. So CEO, uh, basically who's in charge of the ownership group. I
0: will never know that answer, by the way, (laughs) I just call everyone who makes the decisions, the GM, even if they're a president or whatever. And I call anyone who might own it, the
1: owner, (laughs) he's the owner, or at least now he's like the mouthpiece for the Polad ownership group. Uh, and he did an interview with WCCO Radio's Jason Derusha. And let's just say that there are a couple things that don't surprise me, like in just a normal, like, yeah, that makes sense. I get why you say that. And a couple things that don't surprise me in terms of just the narrative that the Pollads have built. So I think the big cliff notes of this interview, Corey, is that there were a couple things that were said because there's a segment of the Twins fan base that still believed that Cody Bellinger and Blake Snell and some of the top free agents that are left on the market. Uh, would take a pillow contract with the twins because, hey, after all, they did it with Carlos Correa and they have the same agents. So why wouldn't they do it again? Despite the fact that Cody Bellinger took a pillow contract last year, why would he take another pillow contract this year? Like, there's a, anyway, all of those seemed like pipe dreams. And uh, Jim Polad pretty much just uh, uh, confirmed that. Uh, and Jim Polad, I can't remember that. Joe Polad, I think is the name. Jim Polad was the, the older guy. Uh, yeah, Mr. Polad, uh the Polad owner. They're all the same to certain people anyways. So, uh and uh basically he said no. We're not so we're not going to be poning up 30 million for one player at this juncture. And which in a vacuum I am okay with because I really wouldn't sign those players anyways. If you're judging this offseason in a vacuum of players to sign, it wasn't necessarily the offseason to go bananas in the free agent market. Uh, but it's the comments afterward that I think are really drawing the most ire from fans. And it's the fact of, he said, uh, basically he's been pushed on like, well, you know, you guys talked about the TV deal and you didn't get the TV deal done. And uh, you didn't get the You didn't get the access that you promised fans, but you did get the money. Is that going to kind of come back into the ball club? Is spending going to go up or is spending actually going to go down? Like have the twins overspent in the last couple of years? And now the poll ads kind of want to course, correct and go down a little bit. And basically he kind of said, it's going, he didn't say it explicitly, but he very much hinted that it's going towards the ladder of like, you know, payroll isn't going to be where it is last year because, you know, we just haven't the financial numbers aren't meeting up where they should be correctly and all that. And then he pointed to, you know, the raise. They put out a consistently good team every year, and it doesn't matter about their payroll, which that specific comment is what got Twins fans ablaze. And I'll let you speak, Corey, but here's my one take on that. You don't, if you're the owner, compare your team to one of the cheapest teams in baseball. That's bad PR. What are you doing? Why Are you trying to piss off the fans like a month before the season? What is your goal here? What are you trying to do? That's bad optics. And I think it just goes to a bigger thing because I get the general tone he's trying to say, which is you don't always need to spend to be a winning ball club. That is true. But there's a reason that Tampa Bay's top executive who built the infrastructure in that team left. And he left to be the GM of the Dodgers. And the Dodgers have been perennials for the last decade. And they've been to World Series and they've won a World Series. And they like all of that stuff because they use the analytics and savviness of Tampa Bay with money to keep the stars that they make in house. And that's the biggest thing with all of this is you don't compare your team to a a team that gets made fun of for their lack of spending all the time. That's bad optics. That's bad optics from a fan base that already is ready to crucify ownership from a PR standpoint. And on top of that, I'm, I'm not upset. If they want to, I'm not upset that they're reducing payroll this off season. I think that that is fair given the TV deal, even though they got money this year, next year is unexpected. I'm okay with them saying this year is weird. We didn't really get the money early enough. We don't quite know what's going on, but if they continue to do this, once they get a new TV slash streaming deal, when they bunch themselves together with all these other clubs in the years to come, if they're going to keep being cheap after that, then we I'm going to have real issues. So that's an, it was a really bad interview for Joe Polad yesterday from a PR standpoint. I'm not upset at the lack of spending this off season, but like if it comes down to it and you can't re-sign like a Royce Lewis because you're unwilling to spend, that's when we're going to have issues.
0: So I don't mind the, the perspective of, Hey, we're in a position where we need to pick our spots. I right. don't, I don't mind that. Uh, I think that is a uh, a fair philosophy. I also think it's the safe philosophy to abide by publicly because anytime you don't pick a spot, you can say, hey, we're just trying to pick our spots. So as long as it doesn't turn into some of those, Nightmarish scenarios like not re-signing Royce Lewis or whatever that situation may be, or the opportunity arises for you to get a pitcher to bolster your bullpen, or a starting pitcher to to bolster your lineup, or uh, that power-hitting uh, right-handed corner outfielder. is as, as, as long as the position of we're going to pick our spots includes you actually picking spots then I'm okay with that aspect of the philosophy.
1: Right. And they did sign Carlos Correa and they did re-sign Byron Buxton. So like they have, Correct. They have done it enough in recent history to show that, but
0: yeah. To, but also to your point, and I think this is, this is totally fair. Everyone who's a Tampa Bay fan wants them to spend more money. Look at how smart we are. If we just spent this much more money how competitive could we actually be? I'm going to ask literally you a be the Dodgers. I'm going to ask, and but you wouldn't have to be. You don't have to spend Dodger money. Is that, right. I'm not saying you have to spend Dodger money if you're Tampa Bay. I'm saying you have excelled beyond your actual abilities to put a good team. It, it's probably lucky, and I think if you're a fan of the Rays, you want your team to spend a little money just to supplement this unbelievable decision making that's behind the scenes. Also. I think this is important. I'm going to ask you because you, your, your history on this is, is better. Who
1: won the world series last year? Last year. That would be the Texas Rangers. And they beat who? They beat the Arizona diamondbacks.
0: The year before the world series was who?
1: The Phillies and the Astros, the Astros won. And the year before that? Year before that in 2021 was the Astros and the Braves. And the year before that Dodgers and Rays Dodgers and Rays. So we have to go back four years, five years, right in 2020. That was the
0: COVID season for how successful has it really been for Tampa Bay? if we're talking about Tampa Bay being successful and the ultimate success is winning a world series, what they're doing is not working either. So you can't compare their unsuccessful stuff to your unsuccessful stuff. You know what you've done? You have just proven like, Hey, we're just trying to do what the Rays do, which is what also not win a world series.
1: Right. Cool, man. Thanks for your efforts. We appreciate it. Well, they're competitive and the Rays only have since 2008, they've only, which was their first world series they've only been to one world series since, and that was 2020. And for all the talk of the Dodgers, they won that world series and everybody, you know, we'll call it the Mickey mouse championship, the COVID championship, whatever. Tampa was the team that went to the world series and didn't win it. And -hmm. the Dodgers at least went to the world series in 2017 and 2018. And they've been like, they were on the doorstep. And if, depending on how you view the Astros cheating scandal, they probably should have been the world series in 2017. So there's some talk there and um, you know, it's hard to win in the playoffs. It's hard. I get it. Basically the job of a team is just to get them into the postseason, And at that point, it's just kind of, but you're right. I mean, Tampa Bay has had to do it in spite of their ownership, not because of it. That's the thing, because that's an indictment on yourself. Like, that's when you say you want to be like Tampa, you're like, Oh, you mean you want to hamstring the front office? Like, that's the mess. And which is why it's bad objects. I get in like a short term, like, I didn't think about this for more than 10 seconds. You go, Oh, well, T-, like Tampa doesn't spend a lot of money and they're always good. Correct. But it's like you said, imagine if they spent. And that's the thing. Twins fans, I mean, there's always fans that want the twins to spend top five money in baseball. Most twins fans don't need to be top five, they need to be where they've been, which is like, can you be? middle of the pack. Can you be like 17th in payroll, 16th, 15th in payroll? You don't need to be top 10. Nobody's expecting you to be. Can you just be in the middle of the pack and not be Tampa and Oakland and Cleveland? And I get that there's worse owners out there than the pole. isn't to say that they're the worst ownership group, but, Baseball owners specifically might be some of the most tone deaf owners I've ever seen in my life. Corey, Uh, Arizona, the diamondbacks just made the world series last year. Mind you, they have a good manager. They have Corbin Carroll. They have some pieces there. You know what their owner talked about yesterday or a couple days ago this week, he talked about, you know, potentially moving the team. Like, what are we doing here? Like it, it just is these owner. I I mean, we could go on and on about Oakland. Uh, I mean, just it's just a, a you know, lack of institutional control a little bit with some of this stuff, but just the tone-deafness from you know the twins, because they came off an off-season where they won a postseason game and series for the first time in two decades. There was so much goodwill in that fan base, and all you would have had to say is this year is weird. Give us some grace and let's figure out in 2024 or in 2025. And I think most of the fan base could have got behind that, but to go out there and basically because they hid behind the TV deal and if hiding behind the TV deal is there, which is, again, we can't judge us in a vacuum. So right now it doesn't feel good. If next year they get a new TV contract and they spend a little bit more and the pockets, open up, then we're okay. And this is just a weird one year. And I'm, and I'm fine with it being a one year thing, but if in, five years, we look back on this and go, huh, they blame the TV situation for their lack of spending, but I think they just wanted to cut payroll. And they took the fans for suckers by using that as their line to cut payroll regardless. And if that's the case, then you're like, you're burning all of this goodwill that you've built up by signing Buxton, by signing Carlos Correa, by extending Pablo Lopez, all of these things you've done to build up goodwill in the fan base. You just set it all on fire, which kind of leads me to think that, and this isn't a Rocco Baldelli. This isn't a Derek Falvey. The people who run the baseball side of Twins would love to spend more money. Derek Falvey would love to have 30 more million dollars because you could sign Michael A. Taylor and Adam Duvall, a corner-hitting power right-handed bat. You could sign both those guys. You could sign a star, another starting pitcher. Not a top one, but you can like round out some depth on your team from veterans, even if you're not spending it all on one exact player. The baseball side of things, would love an extra $30 million. This is all coming from ownership and the business side of things who, you know, whether it's victory sports one or whether it's the contraction or whether it's these comments. Now they're so bad at public relations. It is beyond me.
0: You can't be a part of a multi-billion dollar ownership group and hope to get lucky. Right. You, I mean, when it's your decision, like it's your deci- it's your decision to not spend or spend money. And then to not spend money and be like, "Man, maybe this is the year we get lucky." Like Minnesota fans aren't acutely aware of the unluckiness that has stricken the state in all of their sports franchises. Right. To have that come from the from a part of an ownership group that has billions upon billions of dollars to be like, "Man, you know, just be wouldn't Basically admitting we'd like to be lucky like Tampa Bay is. That's, that's a tough look when you have billions of
1: dollars. Right. And the thing is, is they, is, you know, opening day is going to fill up. And the thing is, is the twins are a good team. They're, they should win the central this year. And instead of talking about how good of a team they are and how they can build on this going forward, it's all talk of, well, how cheap is ownership going to be? Are they going to let this team seek out this vision, you know? I don't know what this conversation is like behind the scenes, but like, what does Carlos Correa think who just signed this contract? What, like, what do some of these other guys say? What does Pablo Lopez think? What do some of these other guys who it's like, you know, Falvey pitched these guys because they assumed that they had payroll a year ago on a vision for this twins team. And does that look different? And, and whatever, there's a whole lot of things that probably are going to be fine this season because the twins are going to win. But, There might be some fan apathy early on and in a season where they talk about, well, ticket sales weren't where we wanted them to be. Well, you guys collapsed in 2022. So fans were pessimistic. Fans didn't see you win a playoff game. Fans did now. They're going, which is why if they would have. Again, not they didn't need to go to the full payroll numbers. If they said, hey, we understand. Hang with us this year we're going to throw you a bone. We're going to cut payroll, but it's not going to be that bad. It's only going to be this much. And you know what I mean? If you could have met them in the middle and gotten these fans on board with it, people would have went to the ballpark. Minnesota loves the twins. You could sell out games. Those mid two thousands years in the dome sold a lot of tickets. It's not, it's fan apathy by an ownership group where they feel like, well, why am I going to fully invest in this team when they're not going to fully invest in themselves? Like, why should I be a season ticket holder? And I think that they've remained steady, but through the TV deal. But again, if Twins, because the Twins talk about low ticket sales, if you are going to complain about low ticket sales and then use it to cut revenue, and then all of a sudden ticket sales aren't going to jump up now when you made these comments, like, what are, you're not, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. So
0: I'll make one more point here, and then I think we've... I think we've said, we've hit it, but I do, I do think that um, one of the ways they can work around this and that is if he's telling the truth, right? Yep. Hey, we're in a situation right now and always will be where we have to pick our spots. This is not one of those times. If that is true, one of the things that can happen for this roster in club is that they do have a lot of capital that they can move around in terms of baseball players. So there are ways to improve the team that maybe they can go out and do. So that way, when those improvements are made via the personnel on the field in a year, when those players maybe need to be resigned or extended or however that works, that money, there's an opportunity for, for them to be able to walk out of this and be like, see, this was a weird year. We had to trade Brooks Lee, but look at who we got in return. We got a starter. We had to trade uh Alex Kirilov, but it's okay because we got this bullpen arm that we needed. It's okay, um, Max or you know, uh pick somebody, I don't care. We had to get we had to move that piece because we needed the right field bat. And like there's a way there's a there is a light at the end of the tunnel as long as if they make those moves and then do what is appropriate business wise at the end of the season to keep those players on what should be a successful twins team around to ride that wave, then everything we're saying here today is, is irrelevant.
1: Right? Exactly. This has been the morning sports desk for Wednesday, February 21st.
0: The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.